Welcome to the Black Then, Black Now podcast. We're giving you an insight into the conversations between generations, the ones you may have at a dinner table or on your living room sofa. From discussing changing dating culture to the persistence of racism in football, we're concerned about looking at change and continuity. What was it like then? How is it now? Hi, I'm Jordan, and today I'm speaking with Phil, and we're going to be talking about Black history versus British education. I'll let you introduce yourself, Phil. Hello. I will uh, introduce myself with my African name, Amorti, as I'm Afrocentric. And uh, I'm uh, going to be speaking on on the topic of, of the history, what I like to refer to as African history rather than colour history, African history. Is there anything else? No, but I would like to go into kind of what is the difference between coloured history and African history? It's like kind of like I just noticed that first little thing. The thing is, colour is, is a recent thing. It, it was... Uh, it was... Uh, contrived for a number of reasons, namely the exploitation of, of people in in, uh, in current era that would probably be um, from, say, the 15th century onwards, you know, the, with the coming of uh, European conquests and imperialism hadn't always been color hadn't always been such a such a thing especially in ancient times even when you had imperialism from rome and greece color was not really as a thing as, as it is as it was made to be recently after colonialism and slavery or with colonialism and slavery so you could say it's a it's a relatively new thing in a way and uh, and so by saying black history, there's no country called black, you know. Yeah. And and uh, and so there's no some would say there's no real history from from a color. There's history. There's Asian history. There's European history. When you talk of um, of brown people, you say Asian. You don't say brown, really. So the same should be for African things. Uh, indigenous Africans should be according to the land of the people, not some notion of skin color. Now I kind of gonna go into like growing up. I knew you grew up in the UK. Well, like um, like how would you say you defined yourself? Like how do you would you say you define yourself now versus how you defined yourself in the past? Just like. In terms of like heritage wise, but in terms of also like, would you describe like, do you describe yourself as a black person or an African person, or how would how do you describe yourself? How has it changed over the years? I would use the term black interchangeably with African, but I would not say black African because for me, African is black, so it's like saying black twice. So I'll just say either African or black. But on the whole, I am. African, uh, in in terms of ethnicity, 
I'm also, I like to refer to myself as a Londonian, as opposed to, to a Londoner. I think um, everyone could be a Londoner. You know, spend five minutes in London, you're a Londoner. But uh, uh, I'm a Londonian in a way, as a demonym. Yeah, if, if London was a, was a country. So, so I'm, I'm, I can, I can refer to myself as an African Londonian in some ways, because I've grown up in London. And uh, I have changed markedly. Of course, everyone changes as they grow. Uh, before, I was more so a construct or a, a, a result of, of what was there from conditioning and, uh, you know, a construct from status quo. Um, maybe I, I probably didn't really think so much. I wasn't so conscious about certain things as I am now. I would say, if anything, I'm more conscious now. Right. I also liked how you described yourself as like a Londinian. And it's like, do you not describe yourself as British? Not really, no. Personally, no. Doesn't really sit very well with me because being as being an Afrocentric, uh, the term Britain is associated with colonialism, imperialism, slavery. So, uh, personally, could you help me to? Oh, yeah. Continue. But, but I, I still, I, I still wouldn't have an issue with others describing themselves that way. I, th- I think on a personal level me wouldn't sit very well. Could you help us by describing what Afrocentric means? Uh, Afrocentric um, the term was coined to describe people that are conscious of their Africanness. The, the most common term is Afrocentric, but in, in that, being as conscious as I am again, I I'm I'm not too cool with Afrocentric because I think it's associated more with with a hairstyle. I I prefer to to term it as Afri-centric than Afrocentric, but it's, it's uh, more or less the same thing. It's, it's about a, a a centering and a consciousness of, of oneself. How long have you been conscious of being Africans? Like how long have you been Afrocentric? Afri-centric. As long as I can remember. Ever since I was in, uh, what? Uh, late primary school, early secondary school, in that I was very uh, interested, fascinated by the place called Africa, even though I, I was born there, but I grew up here, I think, yeah, I was born here when I was very young. So, uh, I always saw it as as uh, another world. I hadn't been there. We didn't we didn't tri- we didn't travel there until after the millennium, until six and seven, and um, to, that's two thousand six. And um, 
I I was always I was always fascinated by it. I I, I always say when when it came to playtime at school, the other kids were running towards the playground. I was running in the opposite direction towards the library to pick up books on Africa. Because um, even though it wasn't so prominent in mainstream media, it was always there. But of course, from a negative standpoint, I knew we were African as a, as a family, as a people. So uh, I just had a feeling that it wasn't as negative as it was portrayed. So that's why I wanted to carry out my own research from a very early age. How did you, like, because you mentioned that negative perception, like, um, how did you see African culture as, like, perceived in, like, where was the negativity? It was mostly in uh, the media to do with current affairs, mostly current affairs. So the only thing about Africa, really, that people would see would be the latest war, the latest famine, the latest uh, 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 epidemic. And uh, and New Africa was a lot bigger than that, more than that. And uh, yeah, I also had an interest to to change that point, especially for Africans themselves in the diaspora. In terms of like the whole African diaspora, I was thinking of, do you believe in like Pan-Africanism? So having multiple people from different places around Africa kind of unite or not unite culturally, but still trying to define the word unite for myself or kind of thinking about how presently in London and just in other places across the world, there's this message of black collaboration where people keep saying black business. And of course we united by like the term you mentioned before, like just black as in color. But do you feel that, do you feel that there's like, hmm, I wonder, like from your trips to Africa, what, have you i mean because you mentioned that you didn't return to africa until around 2006 so like that being your first trip since of course being born like what was that like for you and like of course it you've been on more trips so like how's that grown your perspective on like actually being in the place of course first time in 06 it was akin to an astronaut landing in another world on another planet. Um, I remember it was, uh, it was a morning, it was a BA flight, it landed in the morning, and uh, I think it was uh, mid-morning. Uh, I remember traveling from, actually, landing at the airport and stepping out of the tube of the plane, of the, of the fuselage. As soon as uh, 
I got outside the door, the air was different from what it was inside the plane, obviously. Uh, very kind of um, tropical. A bit like how it is in summer. Uh, in summer. When you step out of the air conditioned building and uh, outside the air conditioned building. Yeah, I noticed it has the same kind of scent. Um, the airport is also in, situated more to to the countryside. There was, there was a lot of freshness about it. Um, and that, that realization that I was finally home, really, really striking. So I stepped into the, into the airport and, and uh, yeah, the, the more steps I took, the more um, stimulating it was, more intriguing. And then uh, the ride from the airport to the house also, thing, the, the, the scenery, the people out in the field working, the animals, things like that. It, it, it seemed like as if I was watching something on TV in that way. Yeah. It's somewhat measured, especially given the time of the day, it was early mid-morning, the sun was rising, the, the, the atmosphere had a golden tint to it. So yeah, it was, it was magical. That sounds really nice. You described it almost as like kind of like a fairy tale type situation. I definitely can create a picture in someone's mind. I wonder how. Like, of course, like you've you've been back and then you've been back again and you've traveled there a lot of times. And I wonder, like, for the young African person who's growing up as a Londonian who's growing up in London and for them who haven't been to their home country yet or they've been several times but they haven't got like the full picture on it on where they're from like what would you advise them to do on their trip to Africa or just learning about where they're from? I'd say do some research before you go just like you would if you're going to New York or whatever uh, inform yourself find like points of interest that helps see what what is there to see their their buildings or towny uh, landmarks just like anywhere else that 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 gives it some point of interest um the country they also the landmarks there and things like that something that you can you can uh, relate to in a way touristic point a lot and then also not to have too many we can see like uh, let's just go with the flow and uh, and see where it takes you really. Fair play. So the 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 one of the, the best things to do yeah is to to have a point of interest just just to try and do some little research. We have the internet now, so such a beautiful thing. So you can you can search things, what's going down, activities, uh, groups, so all kinds of things. If you're into music, where they're going to be fellow young people such as yourself they're, they're into those kind of things whatever music style graffiti, martial arts whatever, anything and the, the, the best thing to do is just to have some kind of, uh, of uh, point of interest that you can relate with or relate to that will help you home you in a bit of a, a homing uh, or a tra- attractive thing you know anything about Star Trek 
Now I'm kind of, I was thinking back to when you mentioned, of course, growing up, like for you, the internet wasn't as, like it wasn't as present as it is right now for the young people today. So like for you kind of running to the library, picking up a book on Africa and things like that, like um, did you feel like you were able to access, like when you were studying, of course, of course, like primary, secondary, like, do you feel like as you got older, it got easier to learn more about your heritage and just understanding what was going on in Africa? Yes, of course, because, uh, for a number of reasons. One is that you, you learn more of how to learn more, so to speak. And uh, also, of course, the infrastructure improves as the uh, time advances. And uh, yeah, generally, you do feel uh, situation improving and things getting easier. But even then, by that time, um, there were a few books around. Not as much, of course. But uh, I think the internet was, was burgeoning, was uh, coming up. I was really surprised actually how much I find it. And uh, that's how I learned things actually through my research on Africa. I was really amazed by how much there. Oh, it was limited. It was just a few books that I could pick up in the library. But now it, it seemed, seemed as if I was, uh, I was uh, able to, to reach a multitude of libraries. With that new knowledge and, of course, kind of your, your grown understanding, <laughs> where do you feel that knowledge has taken you? It is taking me everywhere, as knowledge would do. And it uh, made me more confident. I, I was very shy, extremely shy when I was in school, school. So it, it helped uh, with my confidence. It helped with my horizon. I was able to know that I can, I can do a lot of things. That a lot of young African and Asian people don't feel are available to them. I think with, with that greater knowledge, you feel more confident and, and you could go anywhere and be anyone. And, uh, and just, just be confident in any surrounding or even situation, which I, I think a lot, of, a lot of people lack, especially from, from uh, say, minority ethnic groups or, or non okay in Europe, the American. A lot of it has to do with the knowledge and knowledge itself. The more one has knowledge itself and the more worldly, the, the better they feel about their situation or their other possibilities. Sounds nice. Oh, and, and I forgot to mention that. I forgot to mention for uh, myself, Africa or African is with a K rather than C. That's another thing. Uh, with a K. Mm-hmm. Rather than mm. C. Why that? It is to do with uh, African phonetics, because of course they are different to say English or French. The vowels especially, they're, they're mono, monophonetic, I like to say. And also um, the sound, the, the K sound of K is always K. It's never C in Africa. 
C only represents Also, on another level, the, the ka in Africa, the ka at the end, ka, can also mean come from the Nile Valley. And in, in the Nile Valley, ka meant soul. But it's used interchangeably, sometimes depending on what I'm meaning, in conventional form with a C. Other times, especially if I'm referring to the ethnicity or person. I have another question, kind of, did you find it easy to find like-minded people? So, yeah, people who had the similar interest to you in learning about their culture? Mm, not that I was finding it difficult or challenging. I just didn't really look before, especially when I was in school. I was too busy learning anyway. I just didn't really think, but I knew there would probably be some others out there, but I don't really think too much of it. And at school, hmm, were there any percentages? Not really such at school, funny enough. I didn't really think about it too much. Wait, it was just my thing. I was just too busy researching, learning. Uh, I wasn't really interested in, in other being. But if, if they, they were available, they made themselves available, yeah, I'm cool with it. It would be interesting at that point, but not something I really was so bothered about. Um, even at college, no, I'm really too, too really bothered about. And of course, the internet came, and with that came the possibility of finding the, the, the similar interests. They probably would be dispersed, or many of dispersed. That's the thing there. Centric community is quite, quite very dispersed. It's not a, not a concentrated entity or concentrated uh, thing that would have. Maybe the religion or something. It's more philosophical in some ways. Uh, but uh, yeah, some other people do try to make it more of an everyday thing, more prominent alive. And you can find uh, a, a physical aspect of it, all the events and things. So, but yeah, I wasn't really too, I wasn't really too bothered about whether they were or were not uh, other, other individuals did you ever encourage other people like from your age group or younger to learn about their own culture yes uh, i would because uh, from my philosophy my interest i think it is it is uh, it's prudent to learn about one culture and one history especially one history because as they say one one will really know where they're going and they know something of where they've been. You need uh, a guide and a foundation. So it's good for that for that point alone, being a foundation. And I've seen those that don't really know much because I've talked to a lot of people, especially a lot of uh, people of African origin in the diaspora. And a lot of them would say, yeah, they didn't know anything and they feel better. And if only they'd known more, they would feel better about themselves. And they will, they will be more confident in themselves. And, and they'll, when I say better individuals, or maybe uh, they'll, they'll just be more advanced, know more about themselves. Themselves is very important. So I would encourage that, especially from an African perspective, because we feel as African century, it's been, uh, it's, it's probably one of the 
the most, can I say, uh, histories or or anyway, histories that, that, that has been hidden and dispersed and muddied. There are a lot of people who feel, uh, we would say, upside down, confused <laughs> in some way, as opposed to some other people who are a bit more knowledgeable about them, their history. And it also helps to for the individual to, to, to own their own culture, history, and ethnicity once they know more accurate information about themselves rather than what is put there by conquerors, imperialists, slavers. A lot of that's distorted, obscure, at least the positive part of it. Learn more about, especially ancient African, good grounding, very good compass for. Yeah, it is very grounding. Oh, I feel like we're running close to the end of the interview now. I'm trying to see if I have any more questions. Is there anything else that comes to mind? Would like anything you want to mention that hasn't came through clearly, like in my questions, but it's came through in your mind? Mm, maybe it was when uh, touch more on the history last time and how history has been taught. In school, isn't that something? Perspective on that. Could do. Like um, yeah. If you could change the curriculum, and actually, what was your experience of African education in 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 your school years? Of course, growing up in the UK. Uh huh. Non-existent. Non-existent. There was no real. History such that I can remember. Uh, we learned a bit about the Romans, as everyone does. Uh, primary school did bike, we touched on the Vikings. What was that? Really? Uh, I mean, anyway, we're in Europe, we're in England, so that comes with the territory. But I think uh, even if it's not in, in the first I think. Uh, People with African heritage should do it themselves outside of school more, especially parents. Just, just uh, the same way uh, religious groups, such as Muslim and so on, they have their own school outside of school, Catholic school. And they are a few representatives at school. So I think uh, more of that may be uh, at least the state can support such groups, such initiatives. And so that uh, is interesting to go there. And uh, yeah, some more input would be welcome into the curriculum than, than what I had when I was in school. We have touched on slavery. Did we even touch on slavery, colonialism, I think? That was about it. Which again goes to, to the point I was making before a lot of the history made obscure and just, uh, what is presented is, is from a, a European perspective. So a lot of people grow up thinking that Africans didn't exist until Europeans came and <laughs> made them exist, invented them. And that's the way that's the way uh, modern Africa is in a way. All the countries are, are that way or most if not all the countries were invented by colonists. Yeah, like um Something I learned was that Africa is the only continent with straight borders, and that's only because when it was colonized, they drew the borders. 
that's if you include the Arabian areas of Africa. But they also the same same issue, especially Iraq, Syria, and so on. They would be yes, they were drawn by colonialists, uh, imperialists, and a lot of the companies, the countries actually, especially in Africa, some some maybe in, in Southeast Asia, um, even India actually. When we think about India, India was never really the country. It was not, not I don't think you can say um, that you say that you, you put it in the same box China in a way. Because China has largely been there, that shape, for a few thousand years. Whereas uh, India has always been changing. You know, they've never been an Indian such. So the same with, with that. There, there were kingdoms there and, and empires on the side. And then the colonists came and made their own, especially from the, the company. Uh, uh, for instance, the, the company called, unless I'm mistaken, Unilever. They apparently is, is the origin of a lot of African countries. <laughs> Funny enough, a lot of the countries were actually companies, commercial companies. Where you have the East India Company, the East Africa Company, and so on. So yeah, they, they became the, the countries eventually. The, the, the companies would, would mark out their own territory. And you had the, the, the so-called Berlin Conference in the 19th, the end of the 19th century. Where uh, by that time a lot of the, a lot of the, the powers in Europe were squabbling over territory, so they came together, and and that's where a lot of the borders we have today were drawn. So some people would refer to them as Berlin borders or Berlin borders. They, they're artificial. So a real Afrocentric would tell you that uh, all those countries they're artificial and they're not really they they don't really invest themselves emotionally in them. That's why uh, we put more emphasis on Africa rather than any particular country, Nigeria, whatever, Ghana, whatever. We would see them as fake and artificial. Uganda, whatever. With the natural countries, we can divide people and are the source of a lot of confusion and chaos, I would say, today. Learn more about that. Origin. Origin. That, yeah, that, that was an interesting story, though. Now I'm thinking, yeah, we've definitely run out of a lot of time now. So I feel like let's cut this interview short here. If there's anything else, is on any more ideas on your end? Generally? Generally, yes. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? No. No. Cool. All right. Let's cut this interview short here. Thank you, Phil. If you'd like to say bye as well, this is Jordan signing off. I've uh, got to say Amorti. What does Amorti mean? Amorti is my Amank Empako from the Banyarokitara kingdom. And it is an honorific name. There are usually 12 of them. And they come. Uh, um, certain people called the Luo, the Nilotic people in East Africa. Um, and they were brought by uh, a dynasty called the Jab Babito who, who took over the kingdom. They were a Luo dynasty and that is the current house, royal house of Bonyokita.
power. So uh, every neuro child or one neuro given an epaco or growth for it, mine is not. Usually given at the age of like, three months, usually the baby is bestowed by an epaco. Um, it's, it's to do with the uh, the singer auntie or grandmother uh, some family but it's uh, essentially an honorific name like mine me a greeting so I've always played around uh, I've always been wanting to reclaim my African name uh, as an Afrocentric and uh, that would mean changing my uh, Christian given name. I have all African names. It's something that I aspire to do. So at least I, I like to now with the intention of, of uh, having a permanent change at some point. That's fair. How should I refer to you? So, so uh, for the purpose of the interview, to say I'm working. Should be the uh, change of position, even by detail. But uh, ordinarily, those that know me still can still only feel I don't really hold it against them. This is hard to, to change them now, but uh, gradually I will. It's Fair. part of it is yeah. part of my decolonization. Yeah, I feel like we're all trying to decolonize ourselves to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. We believe as Afrocentric, uh, Africans especially, who were changed wholesale, and even identity, someone of uh, an individual there, the whole identity by starting cultural name. But even in colonialism, in, in the continental Africa, uh, we, we would also be expected to be do to ourselves, I think most parents always name their children uh, with a, like a, a European or religious or religion given name. So we Afrocentric would say, no, why would you do that? Other people don't do that. They don't name their children African name. So why would you go out your way to name your children? Names that are not of your ancestors or people. It is a form of uh, observing and, and, uh, and a sign of conquest by others. Because one describes their, their uh, language in a way, their name comes from their language in exchange for another nation. Cool. All right. I think we should cut the interview off there now. So thank you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's both say bye. Thank you again. Thank you. Cool. This is Jordan signing off. Thanks for listening. The Black Then Black Now podcast would not be possible without the support of Do It Now Now, who have created the Voltage Revolution to give young Black London creatives opportunities and tools to give them a foot in the door. Make sure you keep updated on Black Then Black Now by following our socials at WeVoltage on Twitter and Instagram where we'll be posting information about the team that has put this all together and exclusive behind the scenes footage.